So that's the truth that I cling to, and yet it's also a truth that's just hard to wrap my mind around. I am yours. Jesus, I am yours. That he would desire to be in relationship with us is, is a truth that should just never get old and should always captivate our hearts, our minds, and souls. Now you can be seated on this morning. It's, uh, it's this truth that causes this statement to be true to me, that I am really humbled and honored to be with you all this morning. That's not just some pleasant platitude or a way to come in and seemingly be meek and lowly, uh, but it's, it's truly from, uh, from my heart. I know where I've been. I know what God has rescued me from. I was sharing with Sean uh, earlier this week that I'm just grateful to be saved. The fact that the Lord would raise me up and allow me to be a preacher, a teacher of his gospel, I just, I still, after all these years, haven't been able to fully wrap my mind around it, but I just hold on to that truth that it's not because of me, it's because of Jesus that, uh, that I stand before you all on this morning. I feel so at home here <clears throat> that I'm going to go ahead and open up in a way that I typically would uh, when I was pastoring in Durham. Uh, just so you know, my family, uh, we live about a 50-minute drive from here. If that were not a reality, if we lived a little bit closer, uh, we'd be here on a more regular basis because we just love it here. Uh, we've been embraced. We've been so loved on. Our kids are, are we going to north this, this morning? I was like, well... No. <laughs> right? we'll, we'll go there maybe about once a month is what we're averaging right now. And, uh, and we, are, we enjoy it, though, every time. It, trust me, it's, it's the gas that compels me not to, but my heart <laughs> makes me want to. Uh, so one more moment of truth before I jump into this uh, PSA. There's a brother that's sitting right in front of the clock. You don't need to move. Don't duck. We just going to go in. Uh, <laughs> So <laughs> he's like, who is it? Is it me? Yeah, it's just you, but you're fine. You're, no, no, no. Uh, mm, mm, stay right there. That's right. That's fine. The Lord has strategically placed you for such a time as this. Uh, so about uh, maybe once a quarter, sometimes even once a month, I would find myself uh, doing what I call the PSA, a pastoral service announcement. And this is one of those moments as I was reading through the scriptures I felt led of the Lord to open up with a PSA. And just so you can understand this PSA, the reason why I didn't do it every week is because this doesn't count as time for the sermon. <laughs> doesn't count. So if you are keeping time, you have to wait until after I pray. That's when the clock starts. This PSA is free. <clears throat> uh, as Zach said, we've been walking through Galatians for three months now. I believe the first sermon uh, that Sean preached on the series was January the 24th. And there's just a beauty in walking through the scriptures verse by verse. You get to see the depth, the complexity, the beauty of God's word. There are also some tensions that we need to make sure that we manage as we go through the scriptures verse by verse. One of those is that, well, each sermon is really, in essence, building on the week before. And the reality is not everybody is here week after week. 
So that's one tension. And then the other tension is that it's probably, I'm go out here and, and stretch it a little bit, difficult for you to remember the sermon that was preached in February. Maybe you just looked at it, but possibly not. And so all of the wealth and the depth that's been shared may not be at the forefront of your mind. <clears throat> and so in this pastoral service announcement, what I want to encourage everyone to do this week is to read through the letter of Galatians, six chapters. I'm a slow reader. I did it on Monday. It took me about 30 minutes. And if you read anything like my daughter, you probably would read it in five. <clears throat> but the average person may read it in about 20. And, and I want to encourage you in that because as we move further into the letter, if you don't remember what Paul is pressing into and speaking through, you'll start to lose the heart of what Paul is talking about as he's now closing out this letter. Because, again, Paul, like we have been week after week, is building from verse 1, chapter 1, all the way through the end of chapter 6. So I want to encourage you this week, if I can, carve out about 20 to 30 minutes and read Galatians 1 through 6. You'll be glad that you did as we come together next week. Well, as, as you all come together next week uh, to, to press into verses 3 through 5. Uh, I'm prayerfully, with the help of the Holy Spirit, going to dive a little bit deeper into chapter 6, verse 2. Uh, before I do that, I'm going to give a high-level overview, again, just understanding the nature of the progression of the passage to touch on chapters 1 through 5. But again, it's going to be real quick skim over. You read it this week, and, and I believe the Lord will bless your soul. Uh, but before we do that, I just ask that you would join me in a word of prayer. And this is how I'm asking you to pray, specifically. Uh, pray for me. Right, that the Lord would speak to me and through me, that I would speak with clarity and boldness. And I mean this with all sincerity. If Paul asks the church to pray for him, that the door would open a door that he might speak the word with clarity and with boldness, then I need somebody to pray for me <clears throat> as well. And then also to pray for us, that the Lord would open our hearts and minds to be receptive to whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is looking to speak into our lives in this hour. Let's pray together. Father, we are so abundantly grateful <clears throat> that you speak to and through people, that you raise up apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the works of service. Lord, if you don't speak, we may leave here with a good pep rally kind of a talk, we might leave here with some nuggets that we can uh, hashtag or post, but our lives won't be changed. We're not here today because we think that man could change our hearts, could shift and shape our perspective in such a way that we leave having joy even though we're in the middle of a storm. So, Father, as only you can, move in this space over these next few fleeting moments that your glory might be on full display and that our hearts might go deeper into your love and that we would be shaped and formed even greater into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. High-level overview of Galatians. We start in chapter 1, looking at verse 6 and 7. Paul tells us the problem that's happening in the churches of Galatia. He says, I am astonished 
that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So there are what Paul would later refer to in this letter to the churches in Galatia, the circumcision party. These are Jews who came to believe in Jesus and even believe that Gentiles can also be saved. Except they added to that that Gentiles needed to be circumcised and they needed to keep the Old Testament law. Paul refers to this as a distortion of the gospel. And the pain that Paul is expressively feeling is that the churches in Galatia are deserting the grace of God and starting to be drawn to this different gospel as though there were one and looking to circumcision and the commandments, the Old Testament commandments for salvation. Well, Paul presses into the next few chapters, chapter 2, 3, and 4, showing the folly of this distorted gospel and also the foolishness for one to actually desert the gospel of grace and go to this gospel of circumcision and law. And so now we see in chapter 5, Paul makes his point very clear. What he is telling the churches in Galatia to choose. Choose grace. We see here in verse 1 of chapter 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go back. Hold on to grace. Stand firm in the faith. Do not trust in your flesh. And Paul tells us what it looks like to stand in the faith and continue to walk in the grace of God. We see in chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you have been set free. Live in that freedom. But there's a look that this freedom has with it. Right? That we would love our neighbor as ourself. And then what happened about three weeks ago, uh, my brother and friend Jeff preached on the latter half of chapter 5, and we saw what it was going to take in order to live out this love. We were going to need to walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. We were going to have to submit to the Lord, in other words, if we were going to live out this love. And now we jump into chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, where Paul says the two things that we should see if we are living through love to serve one another. Brother Sean talked about verse 1 last week, saying that we are to be restorers. Right? If our brother or sister is caught in a transgression, overtaken by a transgression, which also can be translated into sin, then you and I, those who are more spiritual and not high and mighty spiritual, but those who are walking by the Spirit, Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And then there's that caution there, just in case you were trying to get high and mighty, be careful, lest you yourself be tempted. 
right? And so uh, Sean used this great analogy, right, in the days where he thought he was able to play football, right? <laughs> I had to do that. I was like, Michael, just leave the jokes alone. But after, after Sean messed with my brother Zach and just put him on blast, like, you know, Zach was 100% wrong, I said, if you could dish it out, you better be able to take it. So in the days where Sean thought that he could play football and he said, Johnny, 150, it was probably Sean not playing as hard as he needed to. <clears throat> and he got his, uh, that's the last one, that's the last one. <laughs> maybe not, let me not, <laughs> but, but maybe it was just one more. All right, so Sean had a dislocated shoulder. He said it was separated from, from his socket and he needed uh, a doctor to restore his arm back into his shoulder, right? And sin separates us from our creator. And we as brothers and sisters, like that doctor did for Sean, are supposed to gently put that arm back in the socket, gently bring our brother and sister and help them to see the love of Christ and to bring them back in. Right? And that's what we are to do for one another. If we're going to, through love, serve each other, it's very practical. We are restorers. But then also Paul goes on into verse 2 of chapter 6 in the letter to the churches in Galatia to say that we are also to be helpers. Right? He says here in the first half of verse 2, bear one another's burdens. Some of you may be familiar with the uh, MDV. Say, help a brother out. <clears throat> I need some help here. See, so the word bear means to carry. The word burdens could be translated weight. Right, so this is not speaking of sin, where sometimes you may see the word burden used and it's translating into sin, but this is talking about a weight, a literal or figurative weight. So not a sin, but a weight that you're carrying. Literally, if I am carrying a dresser and you have some free hands, instead of watching me struggle, grab the other end, like help me carry this burden. Right? If you happen to know of a ministry that's set up and tear down, then when we're all said and done, grab a chair and bring it over to the side. You're like, help us out. Help a brother out. Right? Very practical, literally. Grab the load and help us to carry it. But then there are also figurative burdens that are being spoken of here. Some burdens that may come as a result of some of the sins that we have been restored from. Right? Like someone that may be on the road to recovery as they have been dealing with an addiction. You don't make it down that journey alone. I used to work at the Raleigh Rescue Mission and I walked with people who were suffering from poverty and homelessness and a lot of them had what we called a comorbidity, a, a, a myriad of issues that they were dealing with simultaneously. And one of the recurring ones was addiction. And what I would tell people if you're walking with someone through addiction is that the road to recovery includes relapse. And most people can't handle that because when someone comes into recovery, well, you know, you, you're supposed to stay firm and, and never drift and never slip and never fall. And listen, you who are, who are without sin, go ahead and pick up your boulder and throw the first stone. <clears throat> right? But if my brother or sister's on the road to recovery, then may I walk with them through that burden. If there's a couple who's dealing with a difficult season in their marriage, then may I walk with them and help them carry that burden. If there is a couple who's dealing with chaos, also known as parenting, then may I walk with them through that burden. If there's a single person who's carrying the weight of singleness, 
right? The, not just the W-A-I-T, but the W-E-I-G-H-T. I'm really impressed that I spelled that right. <coughs> uh, I was like, Michael, don't spell. <coughs> but it just was at the forefront of my mind. I couldn't ignore it. And, you know, and, and we are going to walk with you through that because it gets hard sometimes. Right? And we weren't meant to walk it alone. We are to be helpers, bear one another's burdens. But Paul doesn't stop his sentence there. He says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what Paul is doing here, again, if we don't understand the fullness of the letter, we could miss it because Paul has just been communicating repeatedly that the letter of the law is not sufficient. Grace and grace alone. So then, Paul, why are you saying fulfill the law of Christ? See, because our freedom, while it set us free from the curse of the law, it allowed us to now be in a place where we can obey the law of love. So we are free now to do as the Lord calls us to do. We're not just free free to roam about the country and have our way. We just read that in chapter 5. right? So there is a law that needs to be followed, it's the law of Christ or what we can call the law of love. And so by making this statement, what Paul is clearly communicating to us is that being a helper is not an option. You don't get the luxury of saying, well, you know, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like helping. I'm just tired. I don't want to be a helper. I don't want to bear somebody else's burdens. I have my own problem. I'm tired of calling me up and asking me to help. Not an option. We are called by God through love to serve one another. And it is a law that God has instituted. We see that in the scriptures where Paul got this idea from. He got it from no one other than Jesus Christ himself. In John chapter 15, we see the word of God reads. This is the word of Jesus speaking to his followers, to you and I as well. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, So have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Well, what are the commandments, Jesus? Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. Again, this is not a suggestion. It's not a good idea that might play itself out in the end. This is my commandment, Jesus says. Love one another. You don't even get to decide what love looks like. He says, as I have loved you. And so we see that now because of the word of God and what Christ says in his word, that The law of love is not an option. We are to live out love. But we also can see from the word of God what it looks like to live out love because we are to love as Christ loved. So the disciple of Jesus, John, who wrote the gospel that we just wrote or read from, also had some thoughts of how this love would look like lived out. And he tells us in his first letter, the first letter of John, in chapter 3, looking at verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, the commandment from Jesus. Well, what does this love look like lived out? He tells us in verses 16 through 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, 
And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And that's exactly what Jesus said. And here's what John believes that this would look like. Verse 17 and 18. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. John is saying that if God's love is in you, you can't ignore your brother or sister who's in need. If you can do that, then the love of God is not in you. That's at least what John is saying as he writes out this letter. If we love God and we see our brother in need or our sister in need, then we should be moved with compassion to do something. Now, let's look at this practically because what we have to see here is that John says that if anyone has the world's goods, right? So it's not saying that you need to take the shirt off your back to put a shirt on someone else's back and now you are walking around shirtless. No, but if you have some goods and you can help somebody out, then help a brother out. I mean, just help somebody out. Don't sit there and look like, oh, no. If you close your heart to that person, then there's no way that you can say the love of God is in you. Now, I told Sean that I was feeling moved to just keep on reading and go through 1 John chapter 4, but then I'd be preaching from 1 John instead of a cross-reference to 1 John, so I'm going to leave it alone. But if you have a little bit more time after reading Galatians 1 through 6, read 1 John chapter 4, and I'm telling you, it'll bless your soul, and it'll also challenge you deeply, right? Because we can't just sit here and say, I love Jesus, and I have these resources that God has blessed me with. Well, why do you think he blessed you with them? So that you can help me. Get a yacht. You no, know, so that we can help others in need. Now, please hear me. Let me, let me uh, just obey the Holy Spirit right here in, the, in this moment. Not that I wouldn't in the next moment. But I just want to be abundantly clear. There's nothing wrong with the yacht. <laughs> See, even you think that. Well, Michael, maybe. I, I agree. <clears throat> I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Right there, there's nothing wrong with the mansion. Right, but when we get a picture of love, we're going to press into it in just a little bit. And maybe I get a boat instead of a 70-footer. Yeah, I mean, I, I can just go a little bit leaner just so that I can do a little bit more. Right, so I'm not saying that it's, it's bad to live in a nice house. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Right, you've got to read through all of the scroll, the Bible says. You'll see. You can look in the book of Acts, right, where, where Peter said that, look, when you had it, it was yours to do with it what you felt. But now once you felt to give it to the Lord, now you need to give it over to the Lord. So be a good steward of what God has given you. But the point that John is making here is a matter of the heart. If you have some resources and you look at your brother or sister in need and you can close your heart and ignore your brother or sister who has a need, not okay. Not okay. The love of God actually is pretty strong what John says. The love of God doesn't abide in you. And where does John get that idea from? Well, the same place that Paul got it from, none other than Jesus Christ himself. We see in the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 25, I'll read verse 34 through 40. Uh, no time. Uh, just to summarize real quick, Jesus is telling a parable about the, the end times and what it's going to look like when the father uh, now separates the, the sheep and the goat. And so here we are looking at what Jesus is communicating. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, 
You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? They were just dumbfounded. Remember seeing you, Jesus? Verse 40, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it, To one of the least of these, my brothers or sisters, you did it to me. When you were a helper, when you chose to bear your brothers or sisters' burdens, Jesus didn't say, hey, thank you for helping that person out. No, he said, you did that for me. See, because Jesus is very personal. You're not just some peg or cog in a wheel that God is just using to serve his purposes. No, you are his child. He identifies with you one-on-one. Like, this is me. And you are in me and I am in you. The best example that I can give is like my relationship with my wife. Right? You can say whatever you want to. My wife and I, we are one. I had a friend uh, when my wife and I first got married that said, I'll be your friend, but I don't want to be your wife's friend. I said, we're not friends no more. It wasn't even a thought. What are we talking about? No. And here's a little bit of a a more tense one. Can you just cut the feed for just a moment so that my mother doesn't uh, see this? So when when I first got married, see, this is family. I feel so comfortable here that I'm about to get myself in trouble for you all. You better take this one. Because I'm probably take something for it. Right. But when we first got married earlier on in our marriage, my mother looked over and, uh, and had said something about Jomar. And my mother's just a God fearing woman. Closest to walking on water that I've seen in my life. Right. <clears throat> but she said something that caused me to say, Mommy, I love you. <clears throat> but I'll leave you. You know, I mean, like, it's, it's not an option. <clears throat> Like, you can't talk about my wife that way. You know, I just, and that's my mother. I love my mother. I mean, you got to understand, I love my mother. But it wasn't even a conversation for me. So in other words, you can't love me and not love my wife. I take it personally. Go ahead and mess with my wife. You're going to have a problem on your head. I, I feel that. Right? And that's, as it's, it does no justice to the way that Jesus speaks about this for us. But it's the best that I can give you from a natural standpoint. Jesus says, what you did for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. When you help somebody else in their need, when you bear their burden, you fed me, you clothed me, you took me in. You know what? Come, say, enter in to this inheritance, enter the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. It's personal. See, love is a law that we all have to live by, and we don't have the luxury of determining what it looks like. Jesus lets us know. We're to be helpers. So then the only question that we have to ask ourselves is not, is there a law of love? Yes, there is. Not, what does it look like? We see that. Question is, how do we live that out? And the scriptures tell us how to live out this law of love. 
there's something that would keep us from living out the law of love. So before I give you the information on what we need to do in order to live out love, let me make sure that we have this caution that Scripture gives us so that we aren't distracted from, deterred by anything else, and we can stay on track for love. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Paul, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, writes, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. What the word is letting us know is that selfishness, conceit, could keep us from living out the law of love. Because selfishness only looks to take care of three people, me, myself, and I. And it has no room or space for anyone or anything else. Now, just a word of caution before you think that I'm telling you that you have to give everything and just waste yourself away to take care of others. No, just let's look at the word here for one moment. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So it's not saying that we don't look out for our own interests. We're just not self-absorbed and not also looking to the interests of our brothers and sisters. So if we are only thinking of me, myself, and I, we are going to be in a place, in a position where we will not be helpers one of another. We will not bear each other's burdens. And we just have to be honest about some of the things that we hold on to that would keep us from truly pressing into a love relationship and living out the law of love. It's different for all of us. Something that's near and dear to our hearts that, well, really, I can't take it to heaven. So I, I could spend a little less time watching all these shows and take some time to make a phone call and pray for a brother or a sister. Whatever it may be, I could take some time to spend in community instead of just saying, you know what, I'm just tired. I just want to be to myself always. You know, our society got turned all kinds of upside down during this pandemic. Everybody was good because in our culture, we fight for independence. Meanwhile, in the Christian culture, according to Scripture, the Lord is looking to teach us dependence. So there's a tension there that needs to be addressed. But today is not that day. But to say enough, at least, that we define community based on what was comfortable for us. I'm a, I'm a dabble every now and then when I feel like it, but I'm really not going to press in wholeheartedly. But after a year of being told you can't, be like, please, just let me make a friend. <clears throat> not, not everybody want to be in community. You're tired of Zoom calls and everything else. You just want to go over somebody's house. Yeah, but when I wanted to invite you over before, you were always tired. <laughs> See, comfort. Comfort is an idol that many of us need to tear off the altar because that's the selfish thinking that will cause us not to really live out love because, you know, I just want to be comfortable. Listen, Jesus didn't die for your comfort. You just got to embrace it. <clears throat> he died so that we might have the character of Christ. And the character of Christ was willing to leave heaven and come to earth to die for you, them, and they. <clears throat> but before we press into what we need, 
I just want to point out one other subtle villain, if you will, that would keep us from living out the law of liberty. We see it throughout Scripture. Call it pride. But I just want to say how it manifests itself in our cultural context today. Call it silent sufferers. Right? You know you're going through something. You're just not telling anybody. See, if I am to be a helper, if I am to be a burden bearer, then I need to know what your need is. But we have people today, false humility. They say, you know what? I just, just don't want to inconvenience you. I don't want to bother you, so I'm not going to ask. You're not doing that for me. I'm a grown man. <clears throat> if I can't do it, I will tell you no. <laughs> I, mean, I, just don't, I just don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be an inconvenience. No, no, no. That's not true. <clears throat> you just don't want to show somebody that you need help. You just want to act like you have it all together. Now, listen, I'm not looking at anybody in the eye. I'm just working the room. I learned from my last time. Right, but if you feel something right now, then trust me, that's the Holy Spirit that's ministering to your heart right now. And you and I, listen, I had to text Sean last night. I was supposed to preach through verses three or two through five. And I said, Sean, I can't. I can't preach verses three through five. There's the Lord is speaking something in my heart through verse 2, that I don't feel like I could just blow by. And this was it. This was the moment where the Lord said, don't move past this too fast, Michael. Because there are people in the body of Christ. I've seen it in pastoring. You know you need help. But you're not letting anybody else know your need. And we are family. I know that there's some people who have not chosen to live by the law of love, but that's not everybody, right? So don't let the few who have not chosen to live a life of love cause you to feel like you can't get the help you need. You were not meant to carry this load alone. The word says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let me love you where you are. But if you don't say anything, right, your marriage can be rescued. You just need to speak up. You don't have to be consumed by that addiction hiding behind the computer screen. Just tell somebody, listen, there's no shame, no guilt. Time will not allow me and the age of the children will not permit me to tell you what God has delivered me from. I should not be a pastor, but God, it, it really does make no sense to me that I can be a preacher of this great news. You are not alone. There is somebody that can identify with your pain. I know what it's like to parent and just want to quit. I mean, I love these kids, but when they keep crying every two hours and I can't sleep, I stop thinking straight. It's called sleep deprivation, right? And I had some embarrassing moments that I was shameful that I would even have that thought. And I needed to talk that out. You're not alone. No guilt, 
no shame. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I know it's not pretty. I know it looks ugly, but God. And if you hear nothing else, if you hear nothing else, please do not be a silent sufferer. We have been called to be a family so that we can bear one another's burdens. I'm I'm just going to sit on this for just a moment longer. Like, Michael, I think we get the point. No, I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Because somebody's going to leave here and still be like, well, maybe he wasn't talking to me. I'm talking to you. I just want to just see, maybe you just need to see my eyes. I'm talking to you. And so I just want to challenge you before I even close this thing out to tell you what we need to do so that we can help those who are silently suffering, who are going to silently suffer no longer. I just want to challenge you. You have your devices. This is, trust me, this is the only time I'm going to tell you to take out your cellular device <clears throat> during the sermon. <clears throat> but I encourage you, either pen, paper, or a cellular device, you need to write down what it is that you have been keeping from everybody else. And then the challenge is to share that with somebody that you trust. And if you say, Michael, I don't have anybody, then I'm telling you, God has raised up pastors in this family that are willing, that are ready, that are able to walk with you. And God has brought great help. I know Sean and Ashley are just willing to walk with you. Other elders and their wives, I mean, the Lord has brought someone beautiful like Carrie. I heard her talk. I said, man, you know what? I almost want to be a woman just to sit down and listen to her for a little while longer. I mean, just, just salt of the earth and sweet person. I only heard her say about 10 words, and I just feel like, just tell me more. You know, like God has sent people to help us, and we're sitting here struggling, and we don't have to. Please, please. Don't. Do not carry that burden alone. There's a law that we have to live. And that law calls us all to help each other out. You don't have to go through it alone. And now for those of us who are more spiritual, not the high and mighty the holier than thou, but that are in a place or in a season where we're not feeling the weight on us, Let me help encourage you, charge you, challenge you, exhort you to be a a burden bearer, to be a helper. This is what you need in order to live love like the Lord. Verse 5 through 8, Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We need to have the mindset that Christ had. And it's not, well, I don't think I can have that. If you are in Christ, then this mind is in you, right? It's what we learned 
about three weeks ago. You just need to crucify the flesh, submit to the spirit, right? And you too will walk in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, self-control. You can walk in it as well, right? But we need to submit to the spirit. And we will have this mind that is in Christ Jesus who was willing to empty himself. He did not come to be served, but he came to serve. People think that Jesus got uncomfortable on the cross. No, Jesus got uncomfortable the moment he put on flesh. I mean, that's why I paused there because it still just is mind-boggling to me that God, the creator of the universe, can somehow fit into this skin. Like, how did you do that, Jesus? I don't even understand it. And people think that he was uncomfortable on the cross. And he's like, man, I could, this skin just will not come off. <clears throat> and he lived a life of discomfort. But he was willing to do that for you, for me, for they, and for them. <clears throat> and this is the example that we are to follow. So here's the challenge for those of us who would be willing to live love. Would you be willing to live lean so that you can lean in to love? Will you be willing to let some things go so that you might have more opportunities to be a burden bearer? See, for some of us, we have just too much stuff on the schedule. I spoke to somebody the other day that, uh, that has two, three young children. <clears throat> And they told me of their schedule. They are doing something every night of the week and exhausted. I said, well, well, it's no wonder you don't have time for anybody else. Now, listen, no judgment. But may we wrestle well with it. Our family has made some decisions. And it's challenging. But we chose to live leaner so that we can lean into love. So everybody couldn't do something every season. We have three young children at home. They're getting older now. I don't have time to sit here and run you to practice on Monday afternoon, run you to practice on Monday evening, and then take you on Tuesday. I'm doing two more things on Wednesday because you know it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday are the games or the plays and the rehearsals. And they're like, whoa. Like, how about a no? <laughs> right? Just no, but not no for the sake of, well, I, don't just, I just don't feel like it. No, because I want to make sure that I can be present. For other people. Right? God did not just leave me here to be a shuttle service for children. <laughs> he left us here so that we can be in community and so that our oneness might demonstrate to the world the love of Christ. But I'm so busy that I don't have time for love. Maybe a little bit later. So what do you need to cut back on so that you might be available should the Lord call you into service to help a brother or sister move? To be willing to be present and just cry with a brother or a sister who has lost a family member. Right? If there's anything that this season has taught us is that we need each other. But if I'm too busy, then am I really doing what God has called me to do? Did God really ask me to do all those things and not be in community? No, he didn't. Trust me. Cross country never saved anybody. Last one, and Sean could tell you football is not the cure. <laughs> right? Whatever it is that we're chasing after, well, the Lord is saying, I left you here to live love. 
so that the world might see, know, and believe that Jesus is the Christ. So what are we willing to do? Where are you today? If you are a silent sufferer, there's help. Please don't leave here. Please do not leave here without talking to somebody. Come find me. You know know your elders. I've met a few of them, Brett and some others. You know the people in this family. Don't leave here today without letting somebody see you, without being seen. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. We won't have a cure, but we can help you carry the load. Let us do that for you. Let us live love today by being willing to lay down that pride and act like you have it all together. None of us do. And for some of us, there's some things that we need to cut back on. We need to live a little bit leaner. Too many things. So that we can lean into love. Again, I'm not saying the vacations are bad. I'm not saying that the rest and relaxation is evil. Actually, it's a demonstration of trusting in God for you to be able to rest. But you know you're not resting when your resting is running you rampant. Right? We need to make sure that we put ourselves in a position to live love. And like Jesus, empty yourself and humble yourself. To what end? To complete and utter discomfort. Jesus did it to the cross. We're just being asked to pick up some chairs. Actually, let me get real practical, just so that we could test out this theory. Before we leave here, Brett is probably going to say, Michael, please don't ever do that again, but just work with me for a moment. Forgive me later. Actually, you should forgive me right now, because that's loving. But this is a set up and tear down location for right now, not for always. What happens if we all grab a chair or two and just take it over to the door? You know where the chairs come out from. You've seen it. Right? And, then, and then have some conversation after. But then we don't have to step over chairs, right, because we already cleared it up. <clears throat> like that's, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. It's very practical. It's not always, well, I don't have the answer to that person who lost their loved one. You don't have to have the answer. Just cry. Just cry with them. Right? But let's practice it. So I challenge you, before we leave here, everybody grab a chair and take it over. Listen, if you don't grab a chair, I'm going to grab, I'm not grab you. <coughs> I'm going to see you. I'm going to wait at the back. I'm going to say, why did you grab a chair? <coughs> not willing to live love, huh? <coughs> I'm going to just let you go. I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to let you go, but I'm just going to just plant that seed. <coughs> right, but I'm serious. I just really want us to not walk out of here again. This is a burden of my heart every week, every week. So we do this every Sunday. And, and I'm not saying that we should arrive on this. It's going to be some magical Sunday where we arrive, but we should be taking at least another baby step. And just, a, just another one, just an inch closer. I'm not saying that like, this will be a leap and bound. Maybe for someone it will be. But for most of us, it's going to be gradual growth. That's okay. But let's take that baby step. Let's let this not be a check in the box. We are to serve one another through love. It's a commandment, not a suggestion. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love. Will you pray with me?
Father, there are a lot of different things that we have put our hope, our trust, our confidence in. And I believe that we have all seen that everything else fails us. But as we sang just a few moments ago, you are faithful. You never fail. And so, Lord, it's our heart's desire to build our life on you, the God of love. That we might leave here living out love, being willing to be seen and being willing to serve. And that through this love, the body of Christ would be equipped. And that through this love, the world might see, know, and believe that there is one greater. That you don't need all the things. You just need Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you instantly have family. That can be a restorer for you. That can be a helper to you. May that be experienced here today. A baby step for some, maybe leaping bounds for others. But may the needle of love move a little bit more for us all. That the image of Christ might be seen in us and through us. It's in the majestic, marvelous, mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.